Ashley Brock reading Diane Farmer's book, Fire and Ice, Chapter 5, and it's another long chapter. Marjean Cannon barely spoke at the breakfast table, and she afforded his gaze completely. She couldn't bear the mocking amusement she knew she'd find there. The memory of his kiss was still too fresh. What time are your guests coming, dear? Victoria asked Cannon. As he finished breakfast and settled back with a second cup of coffee. At six, he replied. And Margie felt his eyes on her. I meant what I said about clothes, Mrs. Silver. You come down those stairs with anything shocking. I'll carry you back up them myself. Margie didn't reply. She kept her eyes doggedly on a plate and listened while his chair scraped as he stood up. Then there was a muffled sound followed by footsteps dying away. Well, Victoria murmured, watching Margie. What was that all about? Did you two have a falling out? Marjorie lifted her eyes, grateful that Jan and Andy hadn't been around to witness the scene. You might call it that, she murmured curtly. She's observing. He's just insufferable. So was his father. Victoria volunteered. She smiled wistfully. But I love the old devil to distraction. I found quite by accident that when he was the most furious and intimidating, I could call him right down by just putting my arms around him. Margie stared at him. I'd rather be shot than put my arms around Cannon. The other woman grinned. Would you really? Or does he disturb you, my dear? She shifted nervous. He frightens me. Yes, I know. You frighten him, too. He's never been so hostile to a guest before. I can see him bristle when you walk into a room, and his eyes follow you everywhere. <laughs> Margie look haunted. She reached for her coffee cup too quickly and almost upset it, then caught her breath sharply. And she righted. Victoria placed a gentle hand over hers. Don't be intimidated by him, Margie. He's tough because he's always had to be, but one thing I can promise you, he'd never deliberately hurt you. She almost disputed that until she realized she had provoked him into that violent confrontation. And then she began to wonder why. Had she known even then that if she made him angry enough, he'd touch her? Had she wanted him to? He's a very lonely man, the older woman continued. This isn't what he told me. She murmured her eyes. He said he had to shake the women out of his bed. She remembered to whom she was talking to first. Victoria cried lighted. Now I wonder why he said such a thing. She murmured. And it's not true. Since Della left him, rather since he threw her out, he's had no depth involvement with any woman. Oh, there are the glittery women that he's sometimes seen with. He's a man after all, my dear. But he's kept his heart quite deliberately tucked away, out of reach, and he hasn't allowed anyone close enough to touch it. Margie studied the black liquid in her coffee with a preoccupied stare. May I ask you why his wife ran around? Victoria smiled was not for the reason you might think, she said gently. Della simply liked men. I think there's a medical term for that kind of obsession with sex. Cannon's pride took quite a blow before he finally got tired enough of it to do something decisive. She studied the younger woman intensely. Your husband was cool to you in bed, wasn't he? She asked quietly. Oh, my dear, all marriages aren't like that. Get a bad experience, but I'm afraid you're letting it ruin the rest of your life. You mustn't, Margie. She reached out and touched Margie's hand like, You're much too young to stop living. Margie's wide eyes found the older woman, and all her fears were blue in them. The men in my life haven't been the cream of the crop, she said quietly. What I knew of my own father was terribly unpleasant, and my husband was just another disappointment. She looked up. I suppose all men aren't monsters, but how do you tell the good ones from the bad ones before you live with them? She murmured wistfully. That Larry was the best in the world. If I couldn't trust my judgment then, how can I ever trust it again? <laughs> Victoria looked from 
You have to learn to trust again, she said. I realize that's easier said than done, but you may find that it comes naturally when you meet the right man. The old woman sighed, finishing her coffee. She smiled. I've never talked to anyone like this except possibly Jan. Then I'm flattered. What about your mother? She died when Jan was born. I barely remember her. We were raised by our grandmother, McPherson. Here's an old lady who was more interested in discipline than affection, she said. She sighed, smiling. We loved her, but we grew up with only each other. Victoria was watching her with a strange expression on her face, watching and calculating. McPherson, she murmured. Margie could have bitten her tongue out at Victoria's solved puzzle. Was ready to be about to be first. Is something wrong? She asked that he knew the woman. Victoria shook. I keep thinking I've heard that name somewhere, she laughed. And you look so familiar. Oh, well, I suppose we all have counterparts, don't we? Yes, I suppose we do, came the reply. <sighs> Relieved reply. I like your sister, Victoria said quietly. I like the way my youngest acts around her. So protective and capable, so different from my old Andy, who was forever hoping for Cannon's approval. He's changing right before my eyes. Jan loves him very much, Margie remarked. She's happy in a way she'd never been. Poor little Jan. She was always on the receiving end of Larry's temper, but she had to stay with us because she had no place else to go. Now that Andy's come into her life, she smiles and plays. I thought she'd forgotten how. The older woman looks thoughtful. Doesn't that apply to you, too? She asked me. I hear that typewriter all hours of the day. Were you another of those frustrated would-be novelists, Margie, out to write the great American novel? Come on, fess up, are you? <laughs> Margie burst and goes, All right, yes, I am. I knew it. What kind of box books do you write? This delicious mystery novels? Yes, Margie. Like, However, did you guess? The older woman left. I don't know. It just popped into my mind. Now, personally, I like those huge, sexy historical novels. I read them by the dozen. I suspect you read those. Oh, no. They're much too suggestive for my taste. Would you like to get afraid silently from King Gibbons? I see. Victoria lowered her eyes to her coffee. But there was a strange, tiny little smile in her mouth. Cannon doesn't want Jan and Andy to marry. Nar. She said, missing that giveaway smile. Yes, I know. Victoria finished her coffee. But he'll get over it. All he needs is to be around Jan for a while. See her with Andy and get to know her. He's simply against marriage. He's very protective of Andy, and he doesn't want him to make a mistake. Cannon's marriage had made him bitter, very much as yours made you bitter, I imagine. But he'll come around. Margie said, oh, I hope you're right. I do hope you are. Margie had hoped that she could stay in her room that night to escape the guests who were coming to see Cannon, as well as to avoid the man himself. She didn't want another conversation with him until she sorted out her feelings. But Victoria wouldn't hear of it. You most certainly will not hide in your room, the older woman said, her small figure drawn up to its full height. Oh, it wouldn't be Heidi, Margie Palmer. I just sort of hibernate for the night and hoard my strength for tomorrow. No, Victoria said firmly. And wear something shocking, she added with a grin. So will I. We'll show it. <laughs> You'll be the greatest mother-in-law. I don't suppose you care to apply for the position of my daughter-in-law, Victoria asked. Andy wants in. You know very well, I didn't mean Andy. She cocked her head in the same way counted. He wants you, you know. It's written all over him. Margie says, I don't want that kind of involvement, I'm afraid. So is he. He, she replied, smiling at Margie's insidious expression. It's true. Dallas soured him. He'd made sure that his woman friends are very sophisticated and freedom-loving, and that their idea of commitment is a hotel room rented for one night. She had wickedly 
which is about all he wants with me. <laughs> she said quietly. Are you very sure of that? Lixery asked. You might be surprised, my dear. Now hurry and dress. And don't forget shocking apparel. But as it was, Margie was out of shocking clothes. Having left all her daring gowns back in Georgia, instead she followed her mood and chose a gauzy Victorian-style dress with a high collar and a lace insert above the ruffled bodice and a flaring skirt boasting a ruffle around the bottom. With it, she put on a lace-up high heels that flattened her small feet. She piled her dark hair into a high cockle again and used the lightest touch of makeup, a rest of sheer elegance, an illusion of an old-fashioned delicacy that suited her slender figure and matched her reserved mood. <laughs> so downstairs, hello, meeting Victoria and Janet at the bottom of the stairs. This is shocking, the other woman asked, shifting temples, eyes are deeply plunging. Pum built a gown as she glared at Marco's out. Margie's outfit. It shows my ankles. Margie explained on to them. At that turn of the century, that was quite shocking. Victorian loved delicately. So it was. Margie studied Jan, delighted in the silky pale yellow gown that clung to her soft lines of her figure. You look like a tea rose, she told her young son. Doesn't she, though? Victoria agreed, serving her. Superb tasting clothes, my dear. It will matter one of these days. Jane colored pretty leans while I didn't want to embarrass Andy by coming down at something flamboyant. <laughs> What's this? Andy asked, moving toward them in his elegant evening clothes. Embarrass me. Like fun? <laughs> Jane laughed delightedly, running to Do I look all right? She asked, wanting to get enough to eat. He murmured, bending her brush, kiss across her forehead. Could you? Could you save that for the bedroom? <laughs> Cannon growled, joining them, his eyes intimidating, intimidating as the men of the I can't walk through the house without finding you two in a clinch somewhere. Don't look if it bothers you, brother dear. Andy said with a sudden uncharacteristic show of spirit. And he smiled coolly. For your information, Jen and I aren't sharing, aren't sharing a bedroom. There'll be plenty of time for that after we marry. Without my approval, Kenneth asked instantly, and it's Jane. Drawing Jane closer. If we have to, yes. Take a look, Kyle. I'm all grown up now. I'm not the high school kid who used to worship at the altar of your masculino. And whether you believe it or not, I'm quite capable of sorting Jan and myself. We're going to what exactly? Kenneth asked. <laughs> at the middle, of course. Thank you again. Kenneth replied his eyes and was gone. You marry without my consent. You'll start from scratch and without a penny. Kenneth! Victoria began. Draws the setup so that I have full control over your purse strings until you attend the ripe old age of 30. Cannon added, ramming a hand in his pocket, draw out a suitcase. And there's no question about my authority hiring fire us, please. So don't throw your weight around with me, boy. If you get it, will get you exactly nowhere. If you'll excuse us, and said quietly to Victoria Morgan, I think we'll spend the evening in town. Jan looked close to tears. And Marty's heart went out to her. Damn cannon! As she was thinking it, her eyes were telling him how she felt, but he didn't even flinch. I'm so sorry. We have guests coming. Victoria told her other son with blazing eyes and a cold smile. I'd love to discuss that little speech with you, dear boy. He smiled in amusement at his mother's bridal fear. No doubt you would, mother dear, but despite the pressure from you and Andy, I'm not budging one inch until I'm convinced that he is making a mistake in his choice. <sighs> Will you spend the rest of his life telling him which women to date, which fork to use, which television program he may watch? 
Marty broke in. It's none of your business, he replied. Jan is my sister. Of course it's my business. She glared at him. She had quite enough heartache in her life without having to be barbecued by an overprotective stuffed shirt like you. Cannon looked as if he'd like to take a bite out of her. Victoria just opened her mouth to speak when the doorbell sounded. Oh, your guests are here, Victoria said quietly. The maid will let them in, but shouldn't we greet them? Cannon was still glaring at Marty. Later, he said menacingly, you and I are going to have a few words together. Oh, I'll just look forward to it. Marjorie dropped smiling sweetly. He turned and strode angrily toward the front door while Victoria gave a mock sigh of relief. Joe and Margie along with her. There were two businessmen at the door, one tall and solemn, one short and heavy set with a red face. Cannon followed them into the living room, sparing Margie a pointy glare as he introduced Bob Long and Harry Neal. In short order, Margie found herself standing alone with Bob Long as the others agreed about the current administration economic politics. Do you argue politics, Mr. Long? Margie asked politely. She said, looking somewhere irritable, irate. My great... Interest is water conservation, he glanced at, and I hardly expect you to know much about that. <laughs> it shouldn't have been status to pricks her a little, but she's mine. On the contrary, Mr. Long, to the interest of mine as well. I come from a small town outside Atlanta. We use two million gallons of water per day, and we draw from a tributary of the Chukachunola River. The nearest town to use to us has a processing plant that uses a million gallons a day on its own. Today, nothing on the city's consumption of three million gallons a day. Bob Long stared at her. To be fair, his hearing had failed. And it draws from the same tributary. Practically, she said. But last year, when the drought came, the town had to drill three additional wells to meet water consumption. Right now, we're looking at the feasibility of a countrywide water and sewer system. That's just what happened to us, he replied, and proceeded to tell her how the problem had come about and what the government, governing body had done to alleviate it. They were busily discussing new legislative allocating water consumption by municipalities when Cannon interrupted him. I hate to break this up, Bob, he murmured with a hard glance at Margie, but Harry and I need some input from you on the merger proposal. Merger? Oh, yes, the merger. He didn't shook hands with Marty. I can't remember when I've enjoyed a conversation so much. We must do this again. Kenny gave her a strange puzzled glance that led the older man away. Andy and Jan had just rejoined the group. Andy looked fighting fits. And Jan herself looked as she was ready to enter into the fray with her man. Even Cannon's arch look when they came into the room was enough to bother Adam. Well, well, Marty changed his mind. Sure did, Andy went. I took a course in advanced dragon slaying in college. I went outside, looked at the car, and decided that running is something you only do when the odds are stacked against you. Same here, Jan said with a rare show. Kenna may not like me, but my guy, she's going to accept me one of these days. Marjorie Grinnell, that's the spirit. I'll help any way I can. Right down to supporting the two of you while you get started if it comes to that. And he gave her one. I wouldn't let you do that, he said gently, but having your support means a lot. Thanks. What are future sister-in-law's for? <laughs> She's to drug out, by the way, and said, was old man Long actually smiling at you when we came in? He hates people. Mostly he stands at corners and sneers in his drink until it's time to talk business, and then he disagrees with everything that's been said. 
That name sounds familiar, I can't remember. It ought to. I've been mooning over it for weeks. He got some argue. Cal's trying to talk long into merging his knitting mill with our corporation. Long won't budge. They'd have meeting after meeting after meeting, and Cal's had to do all the negotiating himself. But with every junior executive in Long's company, this is the first time Long's ever agreed to meet with him face to face. I think I'm flattered, Marty muttered with a smile. At dinner, she wasn't surprised to find herself seated next to Bob Long, who turned out to be a former planning commission member. They didn't run out of subjects all through the mill. In fact, Bob Long was the last to leave to a different man from the sour-faced executive a few hours before. You still haven't given me an answer on a merger proposal, Bob. Cannon reminded him with a hard glance. Marty said, Oh, the, oh that. <laughs> Bob went, Go ahead with it. You have your people draw on the contracts and send them over. I'll sign them. It's been a pleasure, Mr. Silver. He had an old Margie's slender hand and her bony one is lying down. I hope we'll meet again sometime. So do I, Mr. Long, she said with a general smile of her. Good night, he nodded, waving at the others. I went smiling out the door. My God, can it sit your Santa Margie with glittering eyes? I've been driving for months to get him to agree to that damn thing so that Harry and I could go ahead with our expansion plans. He wouldn't budge. He wouldn't even meet with us. And he spends a couple hours talking to you and acts as if he couldn't care less about the whole thing. <laughs> He's an introvert, Maggie told him. Doesn't mix well, and that makes him argumentative. He only wants to be treated like everyone else to be part of the conversation, but he doesn't know how. You did, Kenan pointed out. I was a reporter, she reminded him. An old editor so many years ago that there are no dull people, only interviewers with no imagination. After that, I went the extra mile to dull people out. It's not hard. Simply find things they like to talk about and listen as much as you talk. How simple you make it sound, dear, Victoria said. It isn't, you know. Anyway, I enjoy it, Marge, she said. We had quite a talk about water usage and restrictions. Both my sons sat on committees dealing with conservation issues in Chicago, Victoria and Cannon went on television about it. I didn't know Bob was even interested in water conservation. Cannon muttered and looked at Margie as if that would hurt Bob. I think we'll go watch te television. And he said, holding Jane's hand, tightly swung down on her. What well, don't sit too close. Cannon went with him. It's a set, I mean, you know what they say about radiation. He managed to smile back. So they do, but I can take care of myself, big brother. And of Jan, if she let me. Candace said to the young man, We'll do some serious talking one of these days, Handy not. I think we'll have to. I'm going for a drive, Candace said to him. Get a wrap and come with me, Margie. She glared out of it. Not me. She replied, Yes, you. I'll take you for a romantic ride in the moonlight each time. She studied his hard face and sighed. Well, it was inevitable that she was going to hand, have to stand up to him. Might as well be tonight. Then she wouldn't have to spend the rest of her vacation wondering when it would come. If I'm not back in two hours, Marcia told Victoria and Sadie, call the sheriff and tell them you suspect foul play. Victoria laughed at her. I will. But I'll do my best to protect you, dear. I swear. He drove you to it. <laughs> I must be out of my mind to go off with you, Margie told him once they were on the road. Especially at night, he did. So why did you? Stay down her lap. For the neon lights from signs along the highway made colorful sounds. I don't know. I could have cheerfully choked you earlier. <laughs> Goodbye for your sister, honey. Don't expect me to do less for my brother. Short attention to the white caps that were just visible beyond the rows of motels crashing on the white beach. 
In other words, it's all in the point of view. Exactly. Where are we going? She asked. He glanced at her. That question has a familiar ring. Do you always suspect me of evil motives when I go get you in a car with you? She laughed. Is that how I sounded? I was just curious. <laughs> Don't worry, he said. Exiting, executing a turn that led them onto a long stretch of road, parallel to the beach. I won't try to stop at any motels. <laughs> she went, I wasn't expecting you to. No, he glanced at her. Most of the time you act as if I'm an escaped rapist. You told me yourself that you weren't a gentle man. She said, clenching fingers, skin and laughed. <laughs> sideways. The word I used was lover, he reminded her, and I think you may have misunderstood me. I meant that I was demanding in bed, not cruel. She felt her face burn, but she knew the dim light wasn't going to reveal that. No comment, he asked. He let up the accelerator while he took a cigarette from his pocket and lit it. I'm nursing my bruises, she murmured. You wouldn't have had have any if you hadn't tried to break my jaw, he reminded her. Well, you insulted me, she accused. And you, and just what the hell were you doing to me? He said, I wouldn't presume to be bragged, but my God, it's been 20 years since I had to fight for a kiss from any woman. It has never been called disgusting. She began to understand his attitude and felt a little ashamed of herself. He was a proud man, and her description of that kiss must have heard something vulnerable in him. She'd been afraid and nervous of liking it too much, but in no way had it been disgusting to her. She ran to wonder if he ever could. I shouldn't have said that, she admitted quietly. It wasn't true. Took a long draw from sooner. I'm not usually rough with women, he said after me. I've never forced one. Damn it. It's the way you react to me. He agreed. I can't get near you. And I've told you already, it's nothing personal. She threw back. She sighed, wrapping her arms around herself. I don't enjoy sex, she confused, confessed quietly. Something I can't help. So please just accept it and don't. Don't push. He pulled the car off the road onto a small paved area with picnic tables overlooking a stretch of sand dunes and scrub grass and diamond sparkled water with white caps crashing down on the beach. Cut the engine and turned her, his face shadowy in the moonlight confines of the car, his eyes glittering above the orange tip of his cigarette. Women aren't frigid unless some man makes them that way, he said shortly. She looked down at the paleness of her skin under her fingers. What do you want from me? A confession? She laughed nervously. I'm sorry. I told you once. I'm a very private person. That makes two of us. Took a long draw from a cigarette. Why do I frighten you? She tucked a fold in her shirt. You're very big. She murmured. His mouth grew on. What do you want? A man out of your size that you can beat him in hand to hand? He teased. It sounded so absurd that she laughed involuntarily. No. I don't suppose so. <laughs> Took another draw from the cigarette and leaned forward to crush it out in the ashtray. And the, an action that brought him close, so close that she could feel the warmth of his body, smell the intoxicating fragrance of his very masculine cologne. Turn suddenly noticed his face was only inches away from hers, and her heart pounded wildly. You let me hold you once. Do you remember? He asked softly, searching her wide eyes. I made you angry and you cried the night we went out with Andy and Jane. She drew... She licked her dry lips, hypnotized by his gaze. I wanted to hit you, she thought. I've noticed that's becoming a habit with you. He murmured with a smile. His hands caught her shoulders very gently. She tugged until her resistance lessened enough to let him ease her against the body. Here, he breathed, sliding his arms slowly around her, giving her time to pull away if she wanted. Just like this, Marjorie, no threats, no demands. I just want to hold you. She felt his cheek rough against her ear, hers. 
the slow, steady rhythm of his breathing against her soft breast, which was pressed gently against his broad shoulder. He wasn't forcing her or overpowering her, and she knew that if she struggled the least bit, he'd let her go. The knowledge reassured her, and she relaxed, letting her hands rest gently on his shoulder. You see, he murmured, his voice is deep and soothing as the sound of the waves on the beach. I won't hurt you. Her eyes closed. She let him take her full weight for the first time, giving him without a fight. It was odd, the sensation this kind of yielding caused in her slender body. A tingling, a muffled excitement heightening her senses, making her aware of his warmth, his body powerful, the scent of him, the hard strength of his hands pressing lightly against her back through the whisper-thin fabric of her dress. She felt him shift, easing her closer that so that she was laying across his broad thighs, with her head falling naturally onto his shoulder. She watched him as he watched her, his eyes wandering quietly over her ev- over every visible inch of her. It's like holding a tiny wild thing, he murmured softly. His hand came up to brush the wisp of unruly hair away from her flesh. You're very soft, Margie. Skin like silk to touch. Her fingers touched his mouth hesitantly, feeling the hard warmth of it, tracing it. They touched his just small, square jaw, his cheek, the roughness where his skin was shadowed with a day's growth beard. She liked the feel of him. It was the first time since her marriage that she wanted to touch a man. His nose rubbed lightly, sensuously against her. Kiss me, Margie. He coaxed his mouth poised just over hers, almost but not quite touching, taunting, tormenting. Fingers still on she. You could make me, she whispered nervously. Isn't that what's wrong with you now, honey? He asked. Too much making. I'm not going to force you. You want my mouse? Take it. Her hands moved over his jacket, and she looked up at him, dazed, feeling the hard, heavy beat of his heart at her fingertips. Experimentally, she touched her lips to his. Once, twice, she kissed him with a teasing pressure that left her unsatisfied, so he didn't move. Confident now, she slid her hands up into the thick, cool strands of his hair at the back of his head, with her body against his. She felt her breast crush softly against his shirt front as she put her lips slowly over his mouth. Her eyes looked straight into his the whole time, mouth open, coaxing him to do the same so that she could taste his smoky flavor. His eyes were open, too, watching her responses with his tongue. When his tongue flicked sensually at her parted lips, teasing the inner softness with maddening expertise. She caught her breath at the new sensation he was making her feel. His lips touched her as shocked you that night, didn't he? Watching each other while we kissed. I never had. She confessed really breathless, fingers tangled in his hair. She like, oh, neither had I. I wanted to watch you. I still do. Open your mouth, little one. <laughs> her heart throbbed as she obeyed him, still looking up into his darkened eyes. Then his teeth nipped and his tongue stroked. She felt his hands moving her, shifting her, catching her hips to press them intimately into the hard contours of his body. His mouth grew hungry, and her body turned traitor, burning with sweet new fires as she felt his need, emphasized by what his mouth was doing to her. She went under like a drowning swimmer, her eyes closed, the pleasure greater than she had expected. Unable to sustain the piercing gaze of his blazing dark eyes, she gave in without a whisper of protest. She moaned, a strange long aching sound in the hot darkness. The legs trembled against his, her knees curving into his thighs, stomach pressing into his. 
her breast aching as she tried to get closer, but a shudder goes through his large body, and then his hand goes from her breast to his fabric, possessing it, and she panicked. With a tiny crash, she drew back, catching his hands with cold fingers, her eyes revealing shock, confusion, to the deep heart. I'm a grown man, he ground out. What did you expect when you rubbed yourself against me like that? She swallowed a harsh retort and eased herself off his lap, back into her own seat, wrapping her arms tightly. Sorry, she managed to shake it to him. He didn't speak, gulped for cigarettes, and lit another one with fingers that weren't quite as steady as before. Sat quietly, smoking for a few seconds before he spoke. But darkly sensuous, his hair ruffled by her hands, his eyes still black with frustrated passion. Resuming men do touch you from time to time, he challenged one. Not like that, no, she confessed. She knew a sheepish glance. No mild petting allowed, he murmured. She drew a deep breath. She heard him some kind of explanation. <laughs> you want the truth? I don't know a great deal about petting. For God's sake, you were married. Yes, she threw back her eyes back. To a man, he looked upon a marriage license as justification for legalized rape. End of chapter 5.